Hello, I'm Bill McMurdo. This is Emrys Podcast. I want to continue looking at being the difference, being the difference in the world system or on planet Earth or being the difference in the nations. Okay, we need transformation. We need uh, a renewal. We need a change. We need a change in culture which will transform society and which will ultimately transform nations. We can't just say, oh, we're waiting for the rapture uh, and getting out of here. We're not trying to escape the Titanic here. We're trying to be the difference. And so we were looking in our last message at how we do that um, in Ephesians chapter 3 by manifesting the wisdom of God to or demonstrating the wisdom of God to principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. We're not just here for men. We're also here to show the purpose of God towards principalities and powers. So there's an inner life, there's an inner dimension that we have to be involved with and engaged with that transforms things, that transforms the cosmos even up to the heavenly realms. And I said in the last message that we would go deeper into this. Now, I've, I've taught in this recently there should be a podcast a while back about this, but I just felt led to go into this again. Let's look at uh, three psalms. Um, let's triangulate three psalms that I, I want to use to demonstrate to you this principle. And the principle is this. You don't need to be engaged directly with kings and rulers and prime ministers and presidents on earth to impact and influence them and the nations. Okay? I want to show you something from uh, using three Psalms. First of all, Psalm 1. And it begins this, and it should be familiar to it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is a man who has a relationship with God's word. This is a man who has a relationship with God, and he's blessed because he meditates God's word day and night. Now remember, going back to Joshua chapter 1, when Joshua was being told by God he was a successor to Moses. Uh, Joshua didn't get a power rod like Moses got. He, he was told to meditate the five books of the Torah, the law. And that is the, the principle that every national leader can and should use ever since because the meditation of God's word will cause a leader to prosper and succeed in whatever he or she puts their hand to. Let me say that again. The meditation of God's word will cause a leader to prosper and have success in whatever he or she puts uh, their hand to or applies themselves to. Now, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are regarded as one literary unit. They were read together. Some scholars believe that they were considered to be one psalm, um, but they were certainly read together always. And some of the rabbinical tradition is that these 
Psalms were composed by David. They are Davidic Psalms, although it doesn't say that in the title. But they and of course David was a meditator of God's word. But what I want to show you here is that, and, and it's very plain to see from the scripture text, Psalm 1 is about the personal devotional life of an individual. Psalm 2 is about the nations. And they're connected because it was understood back then in biblical times, and we need to understand, we need to recapture this. This is the whole point of these messages. That your individual walk with God impacts your nation. We saw that in Psalm 128, where it begins with personal blessing, it begins to touch a man's family, then it goes into his community, into his city, and eventually touches his nation. So what I'm trying to say to you yet again is very simple. That being who God has called you to be is the game changer. That's the difference. Um, when we when we meditate the word, when we spend time with God, your personal devotional life, as we used to call it, impacts the nations when it is c consistently pursued and practiced. Psalm 2 says, why do the heathen or why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing or why are they engaged in futile things? We could ask that right now in 2023. The kings, the answer is given in verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Some translations say they conspire together against Yahweh and against his anointed, which, which means Jesus. Okay? Saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now, what it's, trying to, what it's saying to you very plainly is this, is that the nations, the rulers, the nations are in tumult. The nations have got big problems because the rulers are trying to throw off cords and restraints from Yahweh and his son, the Lord Jesus. It says, let's break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. These national or international, these global leaders don't want the constraints and restraints of God's word on them. They don't want to be Christian nations anymore. They don't want to be uh, nations that are sub subject to the rule of God. He that sitteth, therefore, the Lord's response, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. It says, the Lord shall have them in derision. So God's response to this antichrist conspiracy is to laugh and have them in derision. But then it says, verse 5, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, it says. And he's talking about Jesus there. Now, the original application of this is to the Davidic throne, but of course that throne of David um, is Jesus' throne um, through, uh, through descent. It belongs to Jesus. And, and one day he's going to sit in that throne. So it's talking here, I've set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, uh, there is a there was an earthly Zion, but there's also a heavenly Zion. So what it's saying is Jesus is Lord, and God has already settled the dispute about who rules planet Earth, and it's Jesus. I will declare the decree, verse 7, Yahweh hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen, or the nations, for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, heathen simply means nations. So the nations are the inheritance of King Jesus. And then it says the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that was understood by people living at that 
place and in that time of being where where I am right now, which is the British Isles, Scotland, the the Ultima Thule, the ends of the earth, and so it's all very prophetic. And you know, I'm just speaking to someone recently about this. Scotland has a massive, massive part to play in these end times that we're living in right now. And I could go off on that tangent, but I won't right now. Verse 9, Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. This takes me into where I want to go with this message today. You very possibly uh, will never have a chance or opportunity to say these things to somebody in power at, I would say, a national level. You might do it at a more local kind of community council, city council, regional level, but, you know, we're not all going to be piling in to Number 10 Downing Street or Butte House or the White House in America. We're not going to be piling in and speaking at that level uh, personally. But this is God speaking. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Now, what he's saying here is this. That's the message to kings. That's the message to national rulers and leaders. Now, when you connect Psalm 1 with Psalm 2, you understand that there's just this guy going about his business meditating the word. Okay? He, he's having personal devotional time with the Lord. Um, he's not necessarily going down to the offices of power. But, but he, by being who God has called him to be, is in the spirit demonstrating to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God, he is establishing. See, what you have to understand is this, is that the place of action back in the Old Testament was the temple, which was in Zion, you know, which was in Jerusalem. Okay, so Jerusalem, Zion, if you use them as interchangeable terms, you understand the Zion of God, where the action was, was the temple and, of course, the king's palace, all of that. Now, we are the house of God in the new covenant. We are God's temple in the new covenant. So what I'm what I'm trying to say to you is, is that that's where the Shekinah glory was. Now you as a believer, brother, sister, you are where the Shekinah glory is today. The Holy Ghost lives in you. You are the temple of God. So what takes place in the temple is greater than what takes place in any other place, any other palace or any other throne of authority. Let me say that again. What takes place in Zion? What takes place in God's temple? What takes place in the house of God? What takes place where God dwelleth? Has far more authority to it, reality to it, than what takes place in any other place of power on planet Earth. Far greater than the earthly kings. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And if Jesus lives in you, then you have your functioning and operating at a higher realm. Okay? What the Prime Minister of Britain does today can have an impact, but it doesn't impact the heavenly realms. But you do, because 
just meditating the word, communing with God, just being a believer, just, just doing what you're supposed to do. And what that means is, is that the nations are impacted by that. Now, the rulers of the earth today, in particular, who are all globalists, woke, anti-Christ people, they don't like that. They want to throw, the, they don't want laws based on biblical principles and laws anymore. They don't want that. So because they're trying to conspire against it, and you've got the Great Reset, the globalism, all that junk, then it's bringing trouble and tumult among the nations and the people are getting into all kinds of futility, thinking crazy stuff. It's crazy town out there if you haven't noticed. Now, I said the third psalm, or the, there's three psalms, so let's look at the third one that I want to talk about. Psalm 149, and this actually makes it a lot plainer to us. Um, in terms of those two psalms and what they're talking about, but also in terms of what I'm trying to get across to you here, which is your personal life with God impacts the nations. And once you get that, once that revelation drops into your spirit, it's going to electrify. You're going to see things you never saw before. Psalm 149. Psalm 149. We looked just there at, at the Psalm 2, which is the second Psalm. This is the second from last Psalm. Psalm 149. Praise ye Yahweh. Sing unto Yahweh a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Okay? So in other words, in, in Zion, in the church, in the ecclesia of God. That's where the action is, folks. That's where the action is, in the ecclesia of God. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Okay? Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For Yahweh taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Then we get into it. Watch this. Let the saints, okay, the saints, the remnant, the people of God, the church, the ecclesia, the believers, let them sing aloud upon their beds. What? Shouldn't we talk about singing in church? Shouldn't we talk about singing in the congregation? No, in your bed. Or another where you live. Get those three words branded into your thinking. Where you live. Because that's what it means upon their beds. You get up in the morning, you praise the Lord. You go to bed at night, you praise the Lord. What he's talking about is you have a relationship with God in your own private life. You, you know, you don't have to go to a cathedral to worship God or to, to do something important spiritually. You can just do it in your house. You do it driving your car. You do it, you do it having a shower in the morning or on your bed. Then look at this, verse 6. Let the high praises of God, that means a, a deep throaty yell, a roar, be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. In other words, you get up and in the morning you're lying in your bed, you praise the Lord and you've got your two-edged sword in your hand, which is your Bible. Now, two-edged, I've explained this before, simply means two mouths. That's what it means. Two mouths. Two mouths are required to wield the sharp sword of the Lord. Uh, God's word has already released it. He's one mouth. And the other mouth is yours. It's not a two-edged or two-mouthed sword until you speak it. Okay? So you have to speak it for it to be two-edged. If it was lying on your coffee table gathering dust, it's not a two-edged sword. It's not, it's not got the sharpness. Did you know God's word is designed to be spoken by you, by me, by the believers, by the saints? It's, it's not just a book that's to be read, 
It's a word that's to be released. We talk about logos and rima. Rima is the released word, the spoken word. Now, what's the purpose of this? Why are we, why are we in our beds praising God with throaty roars and, a, and our Bible in our hand? Now, remember, we're just doing... We're just doing life here. We're just in our private lives doing the stuff for the Lord, just going about our business, making breakfast, you know, going to Asda, whatever. We're just living a, a normal life. We're not trying to be spectacular or whatever. You, you know, it's, oh, well, you can only do these things in a cathedral. Come on, folks. He's talking about just living your life. Your private life impacts your nation. You know, if you are a drug addict, and you're stoned at your face all the time, that impacts your nation, but not in a good way. But if you're a meditator of God's word, if you're a prayer warrior, if you're somebody that just loves spending time with Jesus, let me say this, though, to you. If up until this point all you've ever seen is, well, I spend time with the Lord and it's wonderful, and you don't see, and you're not aware, and you're, you're not engaging with the reality that what you're doing, just spending time with Jesus is having a powerful, positive kingdom impact on the place you dwell, your community, your street, your city, your town, your village, your nation. If you don't see that, you have to have intentionality from this point forward about that matter. So you've got your high praises of God in the mouth. You've got a two-edged sword in your hand, which is your Bible, and you're speaking it. What's the purpose? Verse 7. To execute vengeance upon the nations. Ho oh, ho! And punishments upon the people. In other words, what you're doing, remember over in Revelation chapter 8, it speaks about the prayers of the saints. Now, this is a powerful. We, we, we might look at that more specifically, but you look it up, Revelation chapter 8. talks about the prayers of the saints being mixed in a bowl with incense in heaven. And then cast out, thrown out on the earth as judgments. You see, every time you make a decree, every time you, you pray, every time you intercede, then something is happening in heaven. There's a heavenly alchemy going on. That means that God is taking your prayers and doing stuff with them and judgments are going forth. Now, it's not that you're asking God, oh, destroy, judge, you know, send thunderbolts. That's, we're not doing sons of thunder stuff. What I'm trying to say to you is that your very prayers impact the nation. That's why you're supposed to pray. The nations. So your prayers and your meditating of the two-edged sword, a two-mouthed sword, executes vengeance upon the nations and punishments upon the people. Now, I need to say this to you. I need you to get this. We're not talking here just about God blasting people because they're sinners. That's that's not really what's meant here. Maybe even back in the old covenant, there had that they had that meaning to it because you know the nations around about Israel were all idolaters. But you know, there's idolatry. There's probably more idolatry in the world today than ever has been, and there's probably more idolatry in the church today than ever has been. Because you know, if you put stuff before the Lord, you put football teams, singers. Um, activities, people before the Lord, you're an idolater. Anything that comes before God is, is an idol. Anyway, that's a whole different message. So what he's trying to say here is, 
let me put it in layman's terms and, and a little bit of street language that you will understand is that when you have the high praises of God in your mouth and a two-mouthed sword, your Bible in your hand, God straightens things out in the nations. It impacts the nations. Then it says, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles or their rulers with fetters of iron. We just read in Psalm 2, they're the cords, they're the bonds, they're the restraints that the kings and the rulers of the earth want to cast off. Because what he's saying here is this, is when you go about your business on your bed, in your private life, driving along in your car, going to the supermarket, when you're doing all those things and you've got the word of God in your mouth, you've got praises in your mouth, he's saying that those things act as a cord and a bond and a restraint upon earthly rulers and earthly kings. Why? Because they're already manifesting the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers that the earthly kings very often find themselves subject to through occult means and otherwise. So the influence of principalities and powers in the heavenly realms, because you're impacting them, that has also has an impact upon the kings and rulers who are maybe under their thrall. I'm getting excited teaching this. Then it says, verse 9, to execute upon them the judgment written. What it's saying here is, is that kings and rulers, and, and thereby by extension the nations, are impacted by what you do in your private life with God. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm talking, wow. Then it says something that, should electrify you. You may be listening to this, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a theologian, yeah, I'm not a preacher, I don't, you know, I'm just, yeah, I just go to church, worship the Lord, read his word. It says, this honour have all his saints, praise ye Yahweh. It's not for the clergy so-called, and there is no thing as, such thing as a clergy. Okay, let's take care of that. We're all ministers, we're all believers. Some of us are in fivefold, some of us are in leadership positions. Um, but you know, it's not for a special group of people. This honour, this honour, what honour? The honour of impacting nations have all his saints. Wow. Amen. Yeah, I, I just feel in my spirit, just to close this off, I just feel in my spirit now, the Lord is really lead me. I, I kind of knew it already, but I just feel the Lord wants me to extend this quite a bit. Uh, this is our second message on this, and, and I, I do feel that we should continue, because there's a lot more to say, and, and it, it touches whole different realms, touches the Melchizedek order, the kings and priests ministry, touches intercession and prayer. There's a whole bunch of stuff that this uh, touches and, and goes into. So we will continue this, uh, but this is, if you like, message two of this, and um, I'm having fun because I just got my new personal Concord reference edition Bible, which I've been using as I taught this this morning, and I'm just, I'm loving the smell of it, I love the smell of Bibles, don't know about you, just loving the feel of it, yeah, I'm a big Bible guy, I'm a big, big Bible, I love big, big Bibles, but I have... Um, come over more to um, smaller, you know, hand size, personal, compact Bibles. You know, let, let me just say this just as a close. <laughs> I always look at Andrew Womack 
Okay, now you know I see I watch a lot of these guys Copeland and so on. They all have these big Bibles, and I've got big Bibles galore. I'm a Bible collector, but Andrew Womack always has this wee Bible, wee hand size, and you never really see him anything else. Um, so I've started to get back into these because I used to like wee small Bibles, and I've started to get back into them. What this has got to do with the message? Well, I don't know, but let, let me just say this to you: when we're talking about having that personal relationship with God that impacts the nations and you know like your two-edged sword in your hand get yourself a little bible get yourself a wee sort of personal concord reference Cambridge one or, or something of that size um, I've also got a, a wonderful uh, the wee Nelson one McLaren the personal the compact McLaren I've got it in New King James and King James and they're just the same size as the personal concord Great wee Bibles, carry Bibles as they're called. And let me just say this to you, right? You might not be able to lug a big heavy Bible around with you, but you can carry a wee, a wee a personal Bible. And engage yourself in this glorious ministry. This honour. What an honour. It says have all his saints. So till next time, folks. Um, if you're listening to this and you you, you want to comment on it, um, you can maybe do so. Facebook, places like that. Let me know what you think. But anyway, praise the Lord, and I hope this has blessed you. Uh, until next time, God bless.